Hey, welcome back to the GVGB podcast. It's that nigga Mark once again. Shout out to Aries. Love you, bro. Um, I have a special guest with us. We have Miss Tanner Hawkins, a.k.a. Miss Honey. <laughs> I am so happy to be here, Mark. You can call me Miss Honey the whole time if you want. Excellent. MH, welcome. <laughs> I'm glad that you were here, and I appreciate you being here to do the podcast. We are going to get into some gangster shit. I'm so excited. All right, excellent. Boop. of all time, ladies and gentlemen, Matilda. If you haven't seen it, watch it. It's the best. <laughs> it's where my namesake comes from, Miss Honey. Yes. It just, man, it's amazing. It's quite, quite amazing. Um, <laughs> so, for the people that don't know, Miss um, Honey is a teacher. The Miss Honey that's sitting in front of me today is also a... Teacher. Yes. Now... Teaching is something that we are a little bit new to the podcast, so uh, I hope that you're okay with walking us through um, pretty much the, the, I guess, the, the, the life of a teacher, and uh, maybe you can better explain some of the things that you have to deal with on a day-to-day. Yeah? For sure. Um, first thing is, I would like to hear from you, actually someone who's in the industry, of why it is so essential or important uh, that education is right. Perfect. Um, so it's, it's my dream job. And a lot of people don't believe me when I say that just cause I, I think it's the foundation for everything. Um, no matter what anybody wants to do. I mean, you got to go through school at some point, right? Sure. Um, and it just, you teach people so many things beyond just like, I'm an English teacher. And even though I'm obviously going to try to teach my kids how to write an essay and stuff, I also want to teach them to like be good humans and like know how to communicate and get a job and you get to lay the groundwork for what anyone wants to do in life and I think that it's a powerful opportunity. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, as far as like um, what you touched on like trying to be a good human <laughs> or like being a better person. Yeah. Um, that's not necessarily something that you hear often. Uh, in my experiences, some of the teachers are there for like mm. the check, are there mm-hmm. for the the eight hours or so. 
They're there for the vacation time because you get the summers and Definitely. Christmas break and stuff like that. Um, what would you say if <clears throat> if you would, I don't know, like, would people with those kinds of experiences and those kinds of, like, people in their lives where aren't necessarily having the kids' best interests at heart? Yeah. Um, like, do you run into that and, like... <laughs> All the time. Okay. Yeah. okay. Very good. All the time. Um, from like a teacher to teacher standpoint, like, does that kind of bother you? Yes. Or, Oh, it drives me crazy. Um, (laughs) so I think that especially with teachers that have been in the field for a long time, it's really easy to become tired. I, and I want to give them the benefit of the doubt and say the reason they're just there for their eight hours and the reason they only want to do it for whatever time they have to do it is because teaching is hard. It's, it's a very difficult job. You don't have a lot of support, and as much as kids are wonderful, there are times where they're really, really awful, and they make you feel terrible. (laughs) And if you do that for so many years and you don't have support, it's easy to not want to do it anymore and to just try to enjoy the benefits and not really... Am I allowed to cuss? <laughs> yes, Gosh, absolutely. I don't know. I feel like as a teacher, I shouldn't. I have my teacher persona on. <laughs> I trust me. It's this is a cussing podcast. Literally, it's <laughs> profanity ridden. Okay, like, perfect. I, I warn people before they listen. So all right, love it. All right, so <laughs> fuck. Um, there you go. Let it out. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. There are a lot of times where there are days where like you really just don't want to give a shit. Like yeah. you don't want to care about anything. Um, so I get it, but I think. If you have a day where you don't want to give a shit, that's fine. But if you have a year where Mm. you don't, like, that's where you have a serious problem. And there are people who try to get into this field just for the benefits or try to move up into administration or even work at the higher level with the district just because they get good money. Um, And everything they do is for a promotion. And that's where I get really upset because the whole point of this job is to benefit kids and educate kids and not for you to get a pay raise. Sure. Yeah. Do you think, um, like, are, is it easily, like, identifiable, like, those people? Like, you can tell, like, okay, these persons are not really here for what the true meaning of this is. Definitely. Okay. Definitely. I think um, it's with people that are in higher positions, it's easier to tell based on what they pay attention to. Okay. Um, and, and what their focus is kind of just the verbiage, the way they talk about certain things, or even as terrible as it is, the way some teachers will talk about certain kids, mm. you can tell almost immediately where their heart is at based on how they'll speak about a kid. Sure. Yeah. Wow. I wonder what that's like to be in, like, the meetings or, or even, like, a break room with, like, other teachers. Like, that's crazy. Because, like, as a kid, you never even you never even think that they have breaks. Like, mm-hmm. you just... Oh, they're just here. They're here for class, the and then you go home. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you don't think past that. Mm-hmm. But they for sure congregate. They for sure have conversations. They for sure know students by name, and they for sure know what they did. Yeah. Or, you know, they know when they clearly drop off. They know when they're doing well. So um, that's kind of crazy to think about. It's kind of crazy. It is nuts. I think especially because I'm so young, it's weird to be on the flip side of that um, and to know, like, Wow, when I was in high school, like my teachers probably talked shit about me regularly <laughs> yeah, while they sure. ate lunch. Like they just sat together and they were like, "God, that Tanner girl, she's a mess." She's like the worst, dude. <laughs> Jesus, goodness gracious. Um, so then, <laughs> I, 
as much as I would love to have a camera in that room, like that's just mm. oh my goodness. Um, so my <laughs> my next question is, is that what what is exactly motivating you? Since you would be the outlier, mm. what exactly is pushing you to continue on with the job and you know actually do the job for its real purpose? So it's kind of a selfish answer, but okay. <laughs> That's okay. Selfish is good. <laughs> yeah. I am I've been very grateful and very lucky to have incredibly supportive teachers growing up. Um and there were a lot of places in life where the only person I could really rely on was my teacher. Sure. Um and it's specifically one teacher that I had in kindergarten. Uh she's a saint of a woman. I absolutely adore her. Um, but she was the most supportive person I ever had in my life beyond kindergarten. Even to this day, I still talk to her and she's always been there for every step of my life. And every time I ever needed anything, she, she really helped me and she guided me and she wanted me to be a good person. That was kind of her goal. It wasn't just let me teach you the ABCs and how to say the Pledge of Allegiance. It was like, I'm going to teach you to care. I'm going to teach you how to be successful and I'm going to give you support the whole way. True. And I am... Um, that that was so awesome it was exactly what i needed and i think if i have the opportunity to be that for someone then i want to yeah that is incredibly selfish selfless at the same time <laughs> like that's that that's a really good answer i wasn't expecting that when you said selfish so that's <laughs> that's really really good i personally have had teachers like that mm -hmm. that have those kinds of impacts on not just your education in the moment or whatever it is that you need to learn to yeah. you know pass but you know that have those kind of lasting effects on you as a person um i think a lot of a lot i think a lot of people have you know yeah. like and um especially in in like the elementary and the younger grades and stuff like that where you're really impressionable definitely um, it's amazing it's it's kind of like it's kind of crazy when you look back and you like you remember this person that was in your life for a year mm -hmm. and you're like 25, 26 now and you still remember like the little lessons that they used to teach you. So it's, it's really dope. It's really dope. I'll have to, um, actually I'll just do it right now. Shout out to Miss Watson. <laughs> <laughs> actually, um, not only a shout out, but rest in peace to Miss Watson. Uh -oh. She was one of the best people I've ever met in my life. She was my third grade teacher mm -hmm. and she, I I feel like she taught me the world. And I was only like, what is that, seven, eight? And it was just crazy. I think I was nine. But um, it was a crazy how long she's been able to influence my life 20 plus years afterwards. Like, she's the best lady I ever knew. Um, I stayed in contact, her, in contact with her for a long time. But we moved so much that eventually, like, that kind of things, uh, that kind of changed. And yeah. You know, changing numbers and all this kind of stuff. Um, I found out, I want to say it was last year, my mom, because she was had a good relationship with my mom as well, but yes. my mom just kind of did a Google search. She was like feeling like, hey, I need to talk to this uh, person again. Mm -hmm. She was trying to find Miss Watson back in Georgia, mm -hmm. and she found an mm -hmm. obituary, um, unfortunately. And we found out that she had passed like, many years before that it was it sucked and it kind of like took a toll on me but you know that's a part of life you know it's death and um yeah 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for real, she is a big part of the reason that I am the person today. And she was my teacher. So back to what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> RIP, Miss Watson. I love you. Um, so <laughs> what are... Um, what are like some of the the good takeaways that you've had so far like being a teacher? I try to learn from my kids as much as I can. And I don't even mean just like concrete things that they can teach me, like information I didn't have before. Just um I think this I teach high school. I teach um mostly seniors and a a sophomore class two sophomore classes right now and um one junior class. And so I get a little bit of everything, which is really nice. But I honestly feel like this generation of kids is amazing. Um, as much as people want to talk about how these kids are so terrible and like they're eating Tide Pods and they're doing all this stupid <laughs> shit, like they really are wonderful. And there are times where they are just so raw and so human and so caring and so willing to, to be there for someone else. Um, it makes me feel really good about the future um, and it makes me want to be a better person because they, they have so much passion and they have so much energy and they're just so invested in everything that they care about and it really just makes me want to be that and, and share that and try to get other people to feel that way too. So I think those are really the highs, just just seeing how pure they are because they sure. really are. They're just wonderful. I just want to squeeze on their chest. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. That's good. <laughs> Um, it's funny that you touched on, on, on that specifically on, you know, just obviously like us being older and then the people that are older than us, the next generations, mm -hmm. um, they, they do like to do that a lot. They like to shit on the, the people the that came after them. Yeah. So, um, it's good to hear you say something kind of positive about the next generation coming up because, you know, it's, I don't know. It, it, I've never been a fan of like people just piling on just to pile on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there has to be, especially with people that aren't even necessarily interacting with this generation. Everything is like just like through movie or through yeah. like social media and stuff like that. And they're just like, oh my God, like look at these kids and what this kid did today. But no. it's, you mm -hmm. know, it's a tabloid. So it's, um, it's good that you are in the trenches and you can see what these kids are actually capable of. Yeah. And uh, it really makes you think, too, because we were once those kids. So, obviously, you know, the, there was a generation that was talking shit about us. Oh, and they still do. And <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> millennial this, millennial that, yep. and all this kind of stuff. You know what I mean? And, um, no, it's just good to, uh, it's, it's good to have, like, a different kind of uh, pace yeah. to it. And I think a lot of times it's just because people, people don't like what they don't understand. And they, a lot of a older generations don't understand the tools that these kids have and the way that they look at different situations. And I think as hokey as it sounds, a lot of it has to do with technology because sure. people like to shit on the fact that kids use technology a lot and they say, oh, they're just stuck on their phones. Like they don't know how to set them down or do anything else. But they, there have been so many studies about how kids are able to use the internet and teach themselves 
things beyond honestly what a teacher could probably teach them sure and they just need emotional support and some kind of positive guidance and if you teach them to use that tool the right way they could do almost anything because yeah. the world is at their fingertips and it's just a matter of how you approach it like if I go to a 16 year old and say hey you're doing terrible shit and you're just on Instagram all the time <laughs> like you're not gonna graduate then they're yeah. not gonna graduate but if I say wow look at that really cool tool you have there sure. you could teach yourself five different languages if you wanted to let me help you it's a totally different conversation that's dope that's yeah. dope. do you have an example um i would like to hear um of maybe someone that you've had that kind of conversation with or that is that specifically yeah. Some, yeah um do you want to do like specifically a technology thing or just a, a technology like, thing okay um i have a student this year She's adorable and wonderful, and I, it's so funny. I have a student aide that class, and every single day after that student leaves, I tell my student aide, like, oh, she's so great. I love her so much. She's perfect. Um, but she just moved from Egypt, and okay. she moved here from Egypt in October. Um, so she's been here for about a month. Wow. and she Fresh. Fresh. Yeah. Fresh to America. Had never been to America before that. Um, was trying to learn English before she moved because she knew she was going to come here, but really didn't have a ton of tools at her disposal. She had the internet, and that was about it. Um, she's one of my sophomores, and it's she amazes me every single day. Just her willingness to learn and how quickly she learns. And I went, and um, we have a lot of cool tools, so I can give her Rosetta Stone. I can give her those kind of online um different things she can go through to learn English and I gave her one and she finished it literally in a weekend like came wow. back on Monday <laughs> and was like I'm done and I was like oh uh, what do you mean this is supposed to take you a while and she was like no no I'm done yeah. um, and she's already working on a five paragraph essay and she's been here a month and like just because she was willing and it was presented to her in a positive way as a tool that she could use to learn and succeed. She's skyrocketing and she can write sentences better than most of my kids who speak English as a first language. Nice. And she's been here for a month. <laughs> well, do you think it's, um, it's, it's important to kind of like represent those types of examples of millennials or younger generations and stuff like that? Definitely. And I think especially just because I'm getting real political, but just because of the, <laughs> the climate in America right now, I think it's crucial to highlight those kind of situations where you have a student who is an immigrant and who doesn't know English and is trying so hard to figure out how to succeed here and how to use all these tools that we're giving her to not only better herself, but better her family and, and better the country. Yeah, that's, wow. That is pretty cool. It is. And um, shout out to her because that is not an easy task. No. I myself have been in the position of moving to a different country and having to learn a different language mm -hmm. in a, uh, like a short amount of time. And I failed miserably. I, <laughs> <laughs> I did not do good. I went from A's and B's to F's and F's. So yes, that is really good that she was able to have that kind of change um, mm -hmm. so soon. And, or even to have the, um, I don't know, like the kind of desire to yes. want to learn it so that she can, so that she'll be able to like succeed or mm -hmm. just to be able to fit in or whatever, whatever. Um, do you find um, like being in the classrooms and listening to the kids, do you find them having a lot of like identity and kind of like emotional type issues 
So it's interesting um, that you brought that up. I actually this year am teaching a class uh, called Social and Emotional Learning. Okay. And it's a class specifically to try and help kids understand um, their identity and try to get those kind of social and emotional skills that they need so they don't have um, <laughs> like anger issues or like teach them how to manage anxiety and stuff like that because um, as much as you can use technology in a really positive way to teach yourselves things, I think a lot of times kids could also use it and become overexposed yeah. to a lot of really negative things. And there's just so much coming at them at once. They really don't know what to do with it. Sure. So you have to teach them how to manage that and how to handle that. Um, so yes, <laughs> there are a lot of kids that are struggling with that. Um, and I think the, the sad part is they don't feel like they can talk about it a lot. And there are a lot of teachers and, and adults that don't really open the door for them. And I, it's crazy because really as soon as you open the door, even just an inch, and you're like, hey, come talk to me if you need it, they will lay everything out on the floor in front of you just because they're so confused and they just want somebody to listen to them and they just want help. And they're as soon as you allow them, they're so ready for sure. it. Sure. Yeah. See, that's, um, that's, that's always interesting because um, I remember a lot of kids being able to kind of like open up to their teachers and stuff like that. Like mm -hmm. how you said, as soon as they asked. Like it wasn't a, like a lot of pushing and stuff like that. Like a lot of kids, when you have life hit them very early, they have a lot on their shoulders. So they really only need someone to just yeah. ask the question. For sure. Just open the door. You know what I mean? Allow them the opportunity to vent or, you know, get mm -hmm. what they have to say out or how they feel. Um, I, I yeah, it's it's quite helpful, and it's a it's interesting that you say that. So, um, would you say that listening to the teachers that have been there before, um, would they have the same kind of thoughts as far as like kids are worse nowadays or better or however like the comparisons can like fall? But um, would you say like the ones that have been there before you would? Do they kind of like make those kind of comparisons and like those complaints and stuff like that? I think it um, it depends on the teacher and their mindset towards teaching. Okay. So I have some that I know have been teaching for uh, like 10, 15 years that are just genuinely really, really good people. Um, and they will say all the time, this generation is the best generation. Okay. They're more accepting. They're so willing to learn, they're caring, they're empathetic, they're everything you could ever want. And then you'll have another teacher that's been teaching for the same amount of time that is, uh, just has a bad vibe about the situation and like just really bad morale. And they say, these kids are shit, they won't listen to anything I say, get them out of my room, yeah. I send five kids to the dean's office every week. So it's, it's really a matter of perspective and I also think it's a matter of, honestly, what school you're at. Um, okay. because I think teachers who are at, um, uh, richer schools or schools that generally have more money, um, are honestly usually more negative, um, because they have like weirder different standards for what a kid should be. And if a kid does not meet that standard, they don't like it. Um, and particularly with our district, CCSD, um, our district has changed a lot 
in the past couple of years and teachers that have been here for a while are, are kind of struggling with that change especially if they've only been at a very rich very white school for a long time sure. they're having a hard time with the fact that our district is not mostly white it is not a super wealthy district and it's it's different and yeah. they struggle um, but a lot of times when I see teachers that are at quote-unquote poor schools they are usually more accepting they're usually more supportive and their goal usually is to help that kid be a good person and succeed and and be a good human instead of just let me help you pass the act or whatever it is sure which is um i find the irony in that yeah because you know um i think that most people would assume that the poor schools or you know the schools that are in a worse of a neighborhood that mm -hmm. the teachers would care less and they would just try to pump them out and just think of, okay, well, this is, I only have this kid for a year. They're going to be gone. I don't have to worry about them and whatever. Like, I don't want to trust these kids. I don't want to get attached to them because of whatever, whatever. And I'll, I'll give you that because there are definitely a, a, a lot that do that. And um, I was at a, a lower income school last year and there's a lot of movement. There's a lot of transiency. Teachers don't stay because oh, okay. if they don't have the heart for it, mm -hmm. they'll leave. And, um, and there are days where it's hard. You have kids that come in with an entirely different set of needs beyond anything you could expect. So there are kids that haven't showered in days and kids that come in and they just want food. Like it's so many needs that people are not usually prepared to give. And if you're a 15 year old and you've got, you're homeless and you're hungry, you're not going to want me to teach you what a compound sentence is. Sure. Like, you're going to be pissed if I'm trying to tell you to do something That's like that. That's the least of your worries. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think some teachers just aren't cut out for that. So as much as there are definitely ones who leave and definitely ones who don't want to deal with kids with those type of issues, there are your core foundational group of teachers that will stay at a school like that and they'll do anything for those kids. Sure. Yeah. Why... Um why specifically you have been able to have some sort of effect on those kids and why you have, or you're one of the examples of, of the teachers that have the heart to be able to manage those kids and deal with those and kind of attend to their needs and stuff like that? Um, so I, in, when I was in high school, <laughs> sorry, that was a weird noise I just made. <laughs> That's okay. A lot of weird noises on the podcast. It That's happens. Right. <laughs> um, when I was in school, there were definitely times where um, I had a lot of other needs that my teachers couldn't have anticipated and they were completely unrelated to. Um, and there were days I would go to school and I would didn't have a place to live. I didn't have food all that, um, and I would lash out. There were definitely times where I would just like cry for no reason. I would get up and I would walk out of the room. Like I, there were days where I was your stereotypical kid that you did not want in your class, sure. that people would want to send to the dean's office and say like, this girl is irrational, you need to send her to detention, whatever it is. Um, and I was, like I said, I was lucky to have teachers that worked with me. I think over the years, there's maybe only been one or two teachers that really, um, <clears throat> excuse me, like didn't get it mm -hmm. and uh, didn't see beyond the surface actions. Sure. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of teachers need to work on. Um, every behavior has a cause, no matter what it is. So if you have a kid that comes into your room and he like flips a desk over or something, like there's a reason he did that. And instead of just lashing out at him for flipping a desk, try to figure out why he's flipping a desk. Like yeah. I, 
I think people want a band-aid they can stick on the situation and they don't really want to identify the underlying cause. And that's the extra step that you need to really help kids and people out, figure out why they're doing the things that they're doing. Do you think that that's um, something that is easier to do because of the situations that you came from, but also because you're newer to role versus yes. someone that's been there for a long time and they've probably seen thousands of us one particular situation over and over and over again oh definitely 100 percent um i know that i use a lot of my own experience to help me out and i'm very open with my students about that which is a benefit too um and that's kind of the thing that opens the door for them because early in the year i always tell them about how i grew up and the situations that i've lived in and it it really allows them to feel like oh okay she gets it sure. um which is good because then they feel a little bit more comfortable but I also know there are times where you have kids and you'll give them everything. You'll give them your heart, you'll try so hard, and you'll work with them day after day after day, and they're just not ready. Um, and that can be very disheartening. That can be very hard. Uh, I had a kid last year and loved him, absolutely loved him, um, but he would show up late every single day and uh, didn't do a damn thing in my class. I think he turned in like two assignments the whole year. Um, sweet kid, but just was not willing to put in the work. And he was a behavior problem in other classes. So I knew a lot of people would say negative things about him. And I was like, no, 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 he's a good kid. Like he's just going through some stuff. We just got to help him out. We got to help him out. Um, and I felt bad because he obviously failed my class because he didn't really do much. But at the end of the year, I have my students um, write letters to my future students, just letting them know about the class and what to expect, all that stuff. And I tell him, be funny, you can, I'm not gonna be offended, say whatever <laughs> you want. Um, and his letter was really short. Most kids wrote a longer letter and his was only like three sentences. Um, and he said, you're gonna love this class. Miss Hawkins has helped me more than my own mother. I'm grateful for everything she's done for me. Please don't take advantage of her. And that was all he said. And it was, it shocked me. Cause I was like, God, this kid, didn't do anything like he <laughs> yeah. did two things he didn't do anything sure um but i think it's just you you got to try to see the positive sure. so as much as it gets hard if i had like 15 of him in a class that didn't do anything i would feel i would feel pretty terrible but sure. i think if i also had 15 letters where i could see that he got at least something out of the situation instead of just a grade i could try to focus on the emotional impact rather than that kind of data impact sure um that is interesting because like i think that um for you not being able to see the change in him throughout the year mm -hmm. and then getting that kind of letter it really made you think yeah <laughs> so um what i would say is do do teachers fall under the same kind of boat as quote-unquote millennials where we only want instant gratification where like you know like they feel like if they're going to try and they're going to put the effort in into a kid and like give them special attention and then like want to make a change they may be up for it for however long a month or a semester a mm -hmm. quarter or whatever but then when they feel like the change isn't happening and the grades haven't gone up like there's still like a disruption in the class they're still late or whatever whatever then they're like okay well i tried i gave it like three months and then that's it um do teachers do kind of like fall into that same boat 
Definitely. Um, I have a student this year that, again, a lot of uh, emotional issues in his background. Um, he's been in a couple different foster families and is clearly struggling with trying to his identity, like you said earlier, he's trying to figure out his identity. Um, he's a, a young black male that is currently with a foster family um, that is two white gay men that are raising him, and he's okay. straight as well. And he's having a very hard time figuring out who he is and how he is functioning in society um, as someone who's not white and not gay even though he's being raised in that environment. And it, I could see if I were that young, yeah. that would be a difficult thing to try to deal with. Sure. For sure, especially because he knows that his biological parents are not in the picture for whatever reason, and he's, he's just going through a lot. Um, and he also does not want to do work. He just is, it's, and I get it. Like, I get it, I understand. So he requires a lot of individual attention. A lot of times you have to sit next to him and talk him through whatever you're doing, step by step, this is this, this is this. And um, another one of his teachers, just this past week or so, uh, I was talking to her in the teacher's lounge, just like you said, you don't want a camera in there, but, um, and she was like, gosh, that kid, he's just useless. Like, he's just useless. I hope that we can get rid of him soon. And they do, they want, they want an instant result. And if you have a kid that you put effort in for a couple months and you don't see it, there are a lot of times where teachers will be like, mm, I'm over it, I'm just gonna let them write it out. Sure. And I think a lot of it is because um, it's hard, it's, it's emotionally draining. I'm more tired doing this than I've been doing anything <laughs> just because you put in so many hours if you genuinely want to try to help these kids. Um, but I think a lot of it is also because we're evaluated on our success rate, really. Um, and we're evaluated on the way we interact with kids and their test scores and that kind of just clerical data that we can show our bosses and say, look, I'm good at this. So if you have kids that are not benefiting those numbers, it's really easy to want to figure out how to help them just coast along so it looks like they're doing good or you mm. want to kind of push them aside so they're not really messing up your numbers anymore, which is terrible, but it is definitely a reality in the district because there are so many people that just want to look good on paper. Sure. How do you, um, in your experiences, um, how have you been able to balance those kinds of things of needing to meet a certain criteria, but then also knowing that this is going to be a long game. This is going to be someone that needs um, a long amount of attention, uh, attention and like I may not get those results. Like mm -hmm. you may look into it and be like, I know that this is going to negatively impact whatever my statistic or whatever it is this year, mm -hmm. but you know, like. It's worth it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that I, well, my belief, honestly, is that if you can have that kind of emotional foundation with a class, they are consistently going to be more likely to learn whatever you're teaching them. Because mm -hmm. if they feel welcome, if they feel comfortable, if they feel like that's a place they want to be, then you are so much more likely to teach them. So I try to build that first. Um, and that helps me feel better about the ones that don't necessarily make it where I want them to be because I know that I've laid the groundwork that they need. Um, but the district is trying to be good about finding a balance because while we have those 
goals that we have to send in with a certain data for like these many kids are going to reach this percentage of success by this day um, they also have a portion that's more like professional goals and okay. it's kind of um like your emotional connection kind of thing with students so if you can find a way to prove that your students feel comfortable and if you can find a way to prove that you are accepting of all types of students that come in your room that'll bump up whatever your rating is as okay. a teacher but it's it's kind of hard to quantify that because it's weird if I walk into a room of 16 year olds and I'm like how many of you feel comfortable like yeah. they're not gonna want to raise their hand and be like me <laughs> so <laughs> yeah no that'd probably be weird like if you came in like hey I have a survey and if you like uh if you like what I taught you today go on there give me a 10 out of 10 please and that's exactly what they want you to do which is so funny that is not good. <laughs> no, yeah. And it's like if I were a 16 year old, I'd be like, what? So I, I do. I give them surveys and they're like, she's the best. You're the best ever because you give us hot Cheetos. And I'm like, no, guys. Like, like damn it. All right. That's. <laughs> so you're the hot Cheeto lady. Yeah. And then uh, it's as simple as that. Yeah, no, that's no good. But, I... <laughs> but um, what do you think has been your biggest struggle um, being a teacher in CCSD? Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> I think that's a hard question to answer. That's what I think. Um, my biggest struggle has probably been realizing how much time and effort you have to put in to be successful. Um, realizing that other people will often not understand how much time and effort you have to put in. And um, if, you're, if you really want to commit yourself to the job, there will be people that kind of fall out in your life because they're not willing to kind of stick around and watch you commit to that. Sure. But I think it's also um, a lack of support within the district at times because there are some schools that are really, really good at supporting teachers and um, especially new teachers, young teachers, and there are others that are not and they kind of just ex expect you to figure it out and it's like a sink or swim kind of scenario sure. um, and I think that's been hard uh, because education has been around forever <laughs> um, being new and and being young can be difficult um, because people are not always willing to open the door especially if you're in a position where you're like I'm lucky enough to teach um, some higher level classes right now and uh, people can be very negative about that because I'm only 24 and they're like, hey, I'm 40. Why is a 24 year old teaching with class? Um, so that's it's just a education is a business as much as I feel like it shouldn't be. It's a business and people are very political about it. Sure. And that kind of influence and those politics and those people that just want the money out of it really kind of infect the the core of what education should be i think hmm. business is ugly yeah and no matter what kind of um i don't know like whatever place you put business as soon as that is a focus it can get really really complicated like you said uh things are going to get political like mm -hmm. no matter what and it's unfortunate because education is essential to society yes like that's where Every person starts off. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and any, it doesn't even matter who you are, where you're from, or whatever. It starts with education in order for you to get to whatever place that you need to get. Um, even as adults, yeah, like you have to learn how to do the job correctly. You have to learn and do your training so that you can, you know, succeed and do the job correctly. Um, it's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy. Uh, I've only, me personally, and being someone that's uh, on the outside looking in, I've only heard negative things about CCSD. Yeah. Um, Nevada, actually, in general. For sure. I mean, like, <laughs> just really just yeah. the state. Like, it's not very, uh, it's not, not very good. good. Not good. No. Um, and I remember, because I went to Cimarron. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cimarron Memorial, and I remember the years, some years after me graduating, I remember a lot of headlines talking about how our school was one of the worst. Like, it was consistently okay. one of the worst schools yeah. and whatever. And I remember me and my friends would talk about it and be like, why and how? <laughs> <laughs> like, how do those things happen? Like, what, what kind of changes happen where either the kids just don't give a shit or teachers don't give a shit and yeah just what is the drop off like because it's like it's easy to know or to identify things like that like and like if you had a store mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. an owner changed and like the new owner doesn't know what they're doing or something like that um what would be the equivalent of that for like a school have being consistently okay to a drop-off where it's like one of the worst. So I think it's it's interesting that you brought that up because it's really a question of how they evaluate it. Um, because there are so many different ways that they identify a school as a good school okay. or a district as a good district. Um, and some of those can be attendance. Okay. So um, if you have a low attendance rate for certain kids, it's gonna make your school bad, quote unquote. Um, but if you're in a lowered socioeconomic area, kids need to work. If you're in high school and you're 16, 17, you have to have a job to support your family. So your attendance will not be that good because you're working. And that says the school is bad. Um, if a student moves from one high school to another high school, so let's say you start at Cimarron, right? Um, and then you move to Western or whatever. If um, Cimarron will have you as a person that does not graduate from their school because you started there but didn't graduate from uh. that school. So even graduation rates are really inflated and miscalculated just because of that one little inconsistency. Sure, sure. Um, and some schools that have the time and the manpower will go through and try to prove that that student unenrolled. But if you are at a school like uh, like Valley <laughs> and you don't have the manpower to go through and say these 2,000 kids started here, but now they're someone else, somewhere else because they had to move to a different weekly, you, you just can't prove that. So then you have 2,000 kids that didn't graduate. Mm, and it's damn. just a matter of, of time, really. Um, transiency, I think, is one of our biggest issues in Vegas because kids move all the time. Sure. And it, it always affects the way that those things look. And we have so many kids from all over the world that come here and so many families from all over the world. And you're, you're trying to teach them so much more than just whatever a standardized test will tell you that they need to learn. And some of the other ways they evaluate schools are on 
ACT scores that students have and those kind of test things, which some studies have shown are not always the most accurate. So sure, sure. It, it makes it difficult. As much as I know Nevada has issues with education, I'm not gonna say we're the best place ever. Um, <laughs> sure. I don't think we're as bad as people make it out to be. That is good. Yeah. Again, that is another good thing to hear. <laughs> Because you don't hear that often. You don't. You don't. But coming from someone who is in the mix, those kinds of things are good. Um, I know that I have a couple friends that are also um, that are also uh, teachers, but also support staff um, mm. that you know actually know what they're talking about and can actually give me a good uh, I don't know, like a temperature for like yes. what it actually is and what it's really like. Yeah. Um, as opposed to just again a headline. Uh, you know, the tabloids are going to pick up on things and just kind of like run with it. So exactly. it's different. Like when you hear from the news or on, you know, like a Facebook post versus actually listen to the teachers themselves. Mm -hmm. um, if you remember, um, you actually took me to one of the school district meetings. Mm -hmm. Miss, am, am I uh, saying that right? No, that's right. Yeah. Yes. So the meeting was regarding what I would like you to explain, but then, and whether or not changes have been made from that meeting. Okay, so um, the meeting that I brought Mark to was um, to try to decide if the school district should break up into different autonomous precincts. So what that means is um, we're the fifth largest school district in the nation, which is usually pretty unheard of because you have schools like Coronado, where you have a lot of money and uh, families that are very, very wealthy. And then you'll have schools like Mojave that are on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. And the needs are very, very different. But most of the time, those schools are being supplied with the same things. And it doesn't always work out because if you have entirely different needs, how are you gonna give them the same supplies? Um, so the idea was each school would break up and be in control of its own budget. So they would create a committee that would be in charge of where their money goes. Sure. And um, that did actually pass, so that did happen. Good. And they have um, committees now within each school, and parents sit on the committee, teachers and um, students. An administrator is there, but is not necessarily on the committee. They're just kind of watching what happens. Okay. There's also a support staff member on the committee. Oh, so good. they get to decide how the budget is allocated, which is really cool. Um, but now that it's happening, um, some of the complaints that are coming up is just uh, a matter of people knowing that it's going on because I don't think it's common knowledge and like if I had a child in school I probably wouldn't know that that's happening unless I were really involved in the school and I was like that PTA mom that's there in the library every day sure um so it it really caters to a specific community's interest I think um and it almost is giving a larger voice to the community within the school that already had a voice so it kind of disenfranchises students even more that need more representation. So it's hard because I, I tell my kids all the time, um, and it's funny because when I tell kids to try to get on that committee, I never do it in my higher level classes, ever. I always do it in my lower level classes because I think the higher level kids know about it anyway. Their parents know about it. They're probably already on the committee. Sure. So we need to appeal to the audience that doesn't know and feels like the school doesn't care because they're the people that really need their voices heard and 
as of right now, I don't really feel like their voices are being heard. Do you run across that often where um, you have students or students' parents literally feel like a school or teacher or whatever, the system does not care? Always, always. Um, and it's, it's heart-wrenching, but I understand why it happens because I think um, if you're at a position where you're at a school where the family has been there for generations and they were the wrestling star or like they were the captain of the basketball team and they donate money to get you this new sign, um, the school's gonna recognize that last name and they're gonna know that and they're gonna want to support that kid in a different way. But if you just moved from somewhere and you've never been here before and you don't have a lot of money, you're still at the school, you still deserve an equal chance, you still deserve equal recognition, and that doesn't always happen. Sure. Damn. I know. <laughs> that is not good. No. <laughs> <laughs> to put it simply, that it's is not. That is just not good. Man, man, that's that's a lot of like that's a lot of to uh, kind of impact. It's one of those things where you see the similarities and you see kind of like how things in the world um, are really quite similar. Like, yes, you know, like the workplace and yes. like even families even and like the way that things are structured. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of alarming on like how things can kind of like fall into their, into the same bad uh, habits. Mm-hmm. And, um, it always affects the people at the bottom the exact same way. But um, I don't know. There's just not a lot of attention to it. And yeah. people assume that like the world of education and stuff like that would be very different from the business world or, you, you know, or the mm -hmm. workplace and stuff like that. Uh, but like the similarities are there for sure. Um, it's kind of not good. No, I, I totally agree with you. And I think... One of the interesting things, especially about our district, is that we, for students, we are not a predominantly white district by any means. Sure. We do not have mostly white kids, but we have almost all white teachers, um, which I feel is super upside down. Like that's that's so backwards. If we're <laughs> we're not teaching mostly white kids, why do we have mostly white teachers? And they're even doing studies. UNLV is doing one right now about how minority teachers are consistently more likely to leave within the first couple years as soon as they get into the field because there's no support and they are consistently isolated and they feel like they're being pushed out of their job. And it's terrible because you have kids that feel disconnected, probably, I'm assuming. I've had kids tell me that too, like I don't feel connected to you because you're white, which I understand. Like I'm, I'm not gonna tell them that's not true, I get it. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's, it's hard because you have mostly not white kids with white teachers that don't feel that connection. And a lot of times I feel like the, the teachers will have I don't, this is, I'm, I'm tiptoeing around this. <laughs> um, as terrible it is, as it is, there are racist teachers, often. Yeah. Um, and you're, you're setting the kids up for a bad situation if you have the potential to have some racist teachers in a sure. school district that is not mostly white. Like, those are a lot of kids that are going to be in, in bad situations regularly. And how can we expect them to learn? 
if they're feeling isolated and they're feeling threatened and uncomfortable because they can tell their teacher doesn't respect them and doesn't understand them and is disrespecting their culture. Sure. You think that, um, like, not, I was going to ask you if you think that that happens often, but, like, for sure that happens often? Even when I was a, a sub, before I was officially a licensed teacher, um, I subbed at one school, and the teacher had a seating chart, and at the front of the room were all the white kids, and every kid who was not white was at the back of the room in every single class. And it, I was appalled, like immediately. As soon as I saw the kids walk in and sit down, it was clear, like there was a line down sure. the room. Um, and I was livid, I was livid. So I taught from the back of the classroom because I was like, I'm not gonna, I mean, I obviously don't have the right to change your seating chart, but I'm not gonna pretend this is okay. Sure. So I sat at the back, there was a table there, and I taught from the back of the room, and I told her principal, like, hey, you should come in and look at how her room is organized because that's wrong. Sure. Um, and there's been studies done even with kids that are minority students that go to counselors, and counselors will not tell them that they can go to college. They'll just tell them what they need to graduate. They won't say, you need this to get into this college. They'll say, you need this to get your diploma. Sure. Um, and just, the system is stacked against a lot of people in education and people are actively trying to fix that, which I think is good that people are aware of it and they're That's doing good. studies on it and they're trying to change it. But there are a lot of people who don't know and, and don't care, honestly. Yeah. Um, I know I happen to know a couple of people that were, you know, in my graduating class that are minorities and mm -hmm. they wanted to be teachers and they wanted to, you know, be in the education system. And they specifically told me, like, they, they literally told me, like, I want to do that so that kids that look like me yes. can see me and, you know, have... They need that. You know what I mean? Like, have that kind of representation because yeah. sometimes it's... I, I don't know, like, I feel like there's almost like a stigma of that may be something that someone needs. Like, that may be the only thing that a kid may need or a person may need to just see that, okay, that person looks like me I may, you know, pay attention a little bit more or do my work a little bit harder or just look at things a little bit differently. But sometimes that happens and that's just the reality of things. Yeah. Um, coming from the, like, the majority, they may think like, oh, why is that even the thing? But they don't realize that's because your representation is there. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like, they don't have to deal with they that. So they may not even understand it. Yeah. So, like, how could someone even think that way? Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, to the, the people that I know that are teachers or support staff and whatever, and they've literally told me that, like, they see those kinds of effects. They see that kind of, uh, I don't know, like that, that kind of impact on their kids just because they may, you know, look like them. So, yeah, mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's really important. It's huge. It's huge. Yeah, they need it. That's for good. sure. That's good. That's good. Um, final takeaway on the teaching conversation. Yes. What has been the best experience that you've had as a teacher? Okay. Um, this actually relates to what we were just talking about. This is perfect. Excellent. Um, so I was subbing, long-term subbing, and I was teaching a credit retrieval class. 
and this was um, still back when proficiencies were a thing, when people would have to pass their writing proficiencies. Didn't know that proficiencies aren't a thing. Oh, yeah, they're not. They're not a <laughs> thing anymore. Did not know that. Um, Excellent. They actually retroactively gave degrees to people who didn't pass the proficiencies. Okay. So, sorry you had to pass it. Now it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is good to know. Yeah. Okay. But anyway... Um, so it was a credit retrieval class for students that couldn't pass junior or senior English. Okay. Um, and they were writing a narrative essay. So they were just telling a story about their life. And I was working with a girl. Um, and it, I was at Mojave at the time. Um, and I, as a young white teacher, I think I was 20 probably. Yeah. Um, they were all 17, 18. And there were six people in the class. Nobody else was white. Um, so at first they hated me, but we, <laughs> we figured it out. Yeah. Um, and this girl was writing her essay and she didn't know where to start. She was like, I just don't know what to do. And she was really overwhelmed. And, um, I was like, Hey, what's going on? Like, talk to me, tell me what's happening. And it was her son's third birthday that weekend. And she was really upset because her father wouldn't go to his birthday party. And she was like, you know, I just really want him to be involved in his grandson's life. And I'm really upset that he's not going to be there. And she was telling me about how when she got pregnant at 15, he kicked her out. And she had to figure out how to survive. And the baby's father wouldn't take her in. So they were homeless for a while while she was pregnant. And it was just this, this heart-wrenching story. And she fascinated me because she got a job. And she continued to go to school. And she, she made everything work in every aspect of her life. And I told her, like, you know, you should, you should tell your story. Like, your story is, is amazing. There are so many people that don't have that level of strength. And if you write about that, then, I mean, that'll, that'll make me cry. That'll make anybody cry. <laughs> yeah. um, and I told her, look, like, maybe after you graduate, you could write a book about it. Um, and she immediately started sobbing. And I was like, oh, my God, what did I do? Like, I fucked up. I don't want her to cry. Um, and she said, nobody's ever told me that I'm going to graduate before. And it was just like, it was shocking that something that simple, just that, that phrase, you will graduate and, and then maybe do this, um, meant so much to her. And I think that was my biggest moment teaching because I realized that we, you know, we take so much for granted and there are so many people that need something so small yeah. for us that are so big on the other side of the spectrum. Um, and she did graduate, hey. which is the, the best part of the story. Um, and that's, that's always been my best moment. Yeah. That is amazing. It was. That truly, that is truly beautiful. Um, man, shout out to that kid. <laughs> I wish I, I'm not allowed to say people's names. No, of if course I did, not. it would have been. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have been plastered all It would have been the title of the episode. <laughs> but that is really good. And I'm glad that there are people like yourself that are out here that are looking for, uh, looking out for, you know, the future. And you, I mean, I don't know if you're in contact with this young lady, but you don't know, like, how far they can get off of just that. You exactly. know what I mean? Like, and you never know. You may never know, like, 10 years from now or 15 years from now, you may run into this person and they may be at a certain stature or whatever yeah. and be, you know, you know, have that kind of influence from that one thing that you said however long ago. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, similar to my story and Miss Watson. Your, yeah. 
So uh, yeah, that's really, really amazing. Good for you. I love you. it. Yeah, Good I love you. it. Thank you for doing that for the kids. You don't gotta thank me. That's <laughs> thank the kids. Thank the kids. Thank you, kids. <laughs> yes. Before you mentioned that song, I actually forgot about it. Really? Yeah. I always forget about Schoolboy Q and how tight he is, but yeah. So thank you. No, it's a good song. It's yeah. a great song. Um, we, I feel like we need to explain how we got here, though. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> the name of the song, if you are not familiar with it, is Collard Greens. Collard Greens are generally eaten year-round, but we're talking about... A day in the year that you eat food, specifically, <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving talk. Yep. So. <laughs> um, I'll take it for you. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Thank you, please. We couldn't figure out what song to play to transition into our Thanksgiving talk. And I was thinking, okay, what, like, what are songs about food that I might eat on Thanksgiving? And Hello. this came up. I was yep. like, oh, okay, this is the closest thing I could get. <laughs> then we were thinking, like, why are there not Thanksgiving songs? Mm -hmm. How does, what, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, it's really sad that that hasn't been made yet. Or, like, they probably have been made, but mm. how come they're just not, like, they haven't been picked up? You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, like... I feel like Christmas is, is Christmas just so good at marketing that that's the only holiday that has songs associated with it that are literally multi-billion dollar industries? Like, it's crazy. Well, maybe, uh, like, like you said, maybe it's a marketing and money thing. So people should write, like, Black Friday songs and, oh. and songs about buying the food and buying <laughs> the stuff that you can buy after Thanksgiving. And then maybe people will listen. Because Christmas, I mean, as much as Christmas is about all the happy, wonderful things that I love, I think it's also <laughs> a lot about, like, just buying shit for people. And that's sure. why people are like, here are the songs. Go shopping. That is a very good point. <laughs> but I would, I think it would be really good to hear just a great song while you eat that would yeah. just, you know, exemplify what Thanksgiving is. That would be just fucking awesome. You know how, like, good it is? Like, because I'm, I'm the biggest fan of Christmas. Like, I fucking love Christmas. If you know me, then you know Christmas and Mark go hand in hand. Just, it's just <laughs> one of those things. But, like, the music sets it off. Like, the music sets off a season. Yeah. And, like, people complain about, like, how it goes from Halloween to Christmas. Then make a song for it. Like, represent this motherfucker. Like, yeah. come on, try to... You got to try and help the cause, man. You just can't complain about the lack of cause. You got to help the cause. No, for sure. There's Halloween music. There's Christmas music. Sure. We don't have any Thanksgiving music. Come on, man. Somebody make a turkey song. <laughs> A gobble gobble song something. something and make it pop like one of you big artists make a song here's the call to action make it happen drake 
That's what I was going to ask. Who would make your Thanksgiving song? If you had to pick, who would write your Thanksgiving song? You're sitting at, you're sitting at dinner okay. with your family. And you go on your phone and you play you play the song. Who's singing it? Kanye was. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Kanye was for sure. Like he's gotta make something tight. <laughs> it's gonna be real tight too. If okay, but like just because that's the obvious person. But let's try to get not obvious. Who else would I like? <laughs> I probably would like um, Taylor Swift. I would. You wouldn't want her to sing a gobble gobble. No. What? I don't know. I feel like it would it would appeal a lot to the Taylor Swift crowd. Exactly. Oh well, that's not everybody. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let me see. Wait, wait, wait. You've got that mac and cheese, mashed potatoes. <laughs> yeah. So you see something like that. You know what I mean? That's that's, that's just perfect. one example. That's just one example. You know what I mean? Fucking love Taylor Swift. Shout out to you, girl. Wherever you are, not listening. She'll listen. Tiger <laughs> she'll, she'll listen. Yeah, yeah, I'm a tagger. I'm a tagger. Um, yeah, I don't know. Who would you have? Who would you, what would you? I don't know. I feel like you need somebody that's a little more universal. Like, gosh. It's hard. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, it would be funny if we had Drake write a song about Thanksgiving. I don't think he would be super universal, but I think that would be hysterical. Like, that would be pretty close. A lot of it would be pretty close, and a lot of people would be interested, and it would be really funny. Um, oh, it's a tough question. I think you would need somebody like if you were gonna have a wholesome like talk about the the message of Thanksgiving and the feeling of Thanksgiving and why people love it. I would want somebody more like a Christina Aguilera okay. kind of person singing it. I or thought, like Michael Bublé or okay. one of those big, rich voices that you have. Like wholesome. Yeah, because okay. if you're going to talk about, you know, the message of Thanksgiving and coming together and, and that feeling that you get. Sure. I would want a, a, a wholesome, soft, sing-along kind of feel. Okay. See, I was thinking more of like a big-time rush. <laughs> or maybe, <laughs> or maybe even O Town. Maybe if O Town reunited, and then maybe they sang a Thanksgiving song, and this that could be start. The thing. Yeah, that could start the comeback tour. Yeah, and then you know you never know what could happen with that. Love or even BB Mac. Mm hmm. You know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That'd be a good time. <laughs> yeah, that that I think that would be really good for the world, or even yes. like not just us, but the world. The world needs BB Mac again. So um, yeah. Yeah, 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 for sure. Man, that's good. That's real good stuff right there. What do you, <laughs> what's your, um, oh, you know what? What's a better question would be, what is something that you have to have every Thanksgiving? Like, it has, no matter where you are, no matter what it is, like, this has to be made or this has to be done. Why? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I need, I feel like I need good potatoes okay um i feel like maybe that's a weird a weird choice but I, no matter what form the potatoes come in i okay. need them to be good potatoes <laughs> they could okay. be mashed potatoes they could be sweet potatoes whatever um but i feel like it's a nice staple i like mm -hmm. to be really full and really tired after thanksgiving Passing. and potatoes are carby enough where yep. if you don't have them i feel like you might not really get there <laughs> so i need them yeah okay potatoes Potatoes. All right. Uh, are you a fan of scalloped 
scallop potatoes? Not for Thanksgiving. Okay, um, okay. I mean, but like, just in general? Yeah, I'm okay with them. I'm okay. not really... I like all potatoes. I'm not really against <laughs> them. Um, but for Thanksgiving, I feel like it's kind of a waste of time. Okay. Yeah. It's like you're not even going to touch it. You're nah. going to see it and you're going to disrespect it. I mean, it. if it's the only potato, I'll eat it. But if there are gotcha. other potatoes, I'm not going to go for it's it. It's not the first round pick. No. Okay, no. understood. Uh, for me, it has to be no matter what. My mother's potato salad. And potatoes. my, my father, oh, potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> potatoes are essential in potato salad. Otherwise, it's just salad. Yeah, I know. It's not, it's not good. Um, <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, my dad. My mm-hmm. dad makes uh, rice and beans every mm. single year. He makes it all the time, but just I got used to that being a part of Thanksgiving when I moved to Puerto Rico. Yeah. So, like, now it's just, it has to be done. He's making it for me, like, right now. And it's just, it has to be done. And also, I forgot my mom's cornbread. Mm. Cornbread is essential in our household. Can't have it. Like, we can't not have it. And, like, there's been years where, I think last year, where I worked and I got off late. And my mom worked and got off late. And my dad was like, okay, we're doing Chinese food. But even with Chinese food being Thanksgiving, we made cornbread. Like, that's just, like, how serious it is. That's like, awesome. It's just, <laughs> you can't not have it. I love it. You have to make that. So, um, yeah, that's a that's a big thing. Um, what's one of your, um, like, what would you say, like, one of your favorite Thanksgiving, like, memories or moments have been, like, in your life? So, um, I, I eat a lot on Thanksgiving <laughs> because I usually have to see different parts of my family in different places. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I have my my dad's side of the family, which is like your like white trash side of the family. So I get your like green bean casserole and like that kind of thing there. Um, and then one of the families that was very important to me growing up that I stayed with for a while is Hispanic. So I'll go there and I'll eat there. And then I'll go to my mom's side of the family that is Italian and I'll eat there. So it's nice because I get different, a lot of food. Yes. <laughs> um, but a lot of different like cultural influences in the food which is, I think, my favorite because I get to see every aspect of my childhood and I get to kind of relive all those different parts of my life and, and just share a meal with them and, and hang out and talk and be full and tired and nap on the couch and it's beautiful. Oh, nice. <laughs> was, there, um, was there one that particu- in particular like that kind of stood out to you as like particularly good or just nice? Um. So I remember when I first was allowed to to cook with my dad on Thanksgiving, which was really cool because my dad is a a really good cook. Um, He used to be a chef for a while when I was younger. Um, So I felt honored that he let me help him and it was really, really exciting. Um, And I helped him make the turkey. I helped him make the mashed potatoes. It's probably why I like potatoes so much. Um, And I made a pecan pie. Oh. Um, And I'm not a good baker. I'm a terrible baker. (laughs) (laughs) And it's literally the one time that I've baked anything that has come out the way I hoped it would. Okay. Interesting. (laughs) It was the best. I do have to kind of call you out on something. Um, You called it a pecan pie. I'm not familiar with it. I what said is, it, and I was like, I hope he says pecan and not the other way. Yeah, see, I'm not familiar with pecan pie. I, I'm a big fan of pecan pie, and actually, it's my favorite pie. 
So I'm not familiar with this pecan. I don't know. Uh, you gotta try it. You know what's funny is that James actually um, is a fan of pecan pie. I just I've you never had it. I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is. I don't know. I don't know what that could possibly be. But I know that I love pecan, and pecan <laughs> pecan is another one of those like Real essentials good pies. for yeah. the for the holidays. Like me and my family, we love pecan pie. So we um, we have to have an Edwards pecan pie for Thanksgiving and for uh, Christmas. For Christmas, like that has to be a thing. And Edwards, like I don't know, I don't even know how we got onto this particular like company's pie, but that's the one that we need. And they're hard to find. Like they actually only come out like during this time. Wow! So we have to go and like look for an Edwards pie because they always have Marie Callender's. They always have like the Kroger brand or whatever the fuck. <laughs> but we look for the Edwards one because that one is our family's favorite joint. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you mentioned that you have an Italian um, yeah. side of your family. Is there like? Are there certain things about their Thanksgiving that's a little bit different as yeah. opposed to like the traditional American one or whatever? Um, so what cannolis, that's like our big dinner. We make cannolis and we eat cannolis. Well, dessert, not dinner. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> we make cannolis, we eat cannolis, and we always do layered shots. I don't know if this is really necessarily an Italian thing, but it's a, a thing that my Italian family does. Okay. Um, so we'll take uh, Zambuca which is like black licorice flavored alcohol and then put Bailey's on top and everybody in the family goes in the kitchen and it's it's cool because you have the clear alcohol on the bottom and the Bailey's on top and it's just like a distinct line and we all stand there and we take our shot um, and we make our cannolis and we usually will have like baked ziti on Thanksgiving <sighs> as well. Yes. Christmas is the one where we get a little bit more traditional because uh, with Christmas you usually have fish Okay. In an Italian family, and um, just for my family, we make lasagna also, just because we like pasta. Yeah. Um. So for Thanksgiving, we go a little bit more American. Yeah. With a hint of Italian, but not too much. <laughs> That's dope. That's yeah. dope. I've never like I love Big Z. I just never thought to have that on, like Thanksgiving, and I've never heard of whatever that shot. Uh, Would you say layered shot? You've never had a layered shot. I'll I've make never, you one. Okay. Yeah. Cause like. The shots that I have are, are just the one layer. They're, they're oh, quite no. plain. It's so. real cool. And it, like, because it, it burns when it goes down at first with the Zambuca, but yeah. then you get, like, the, the sweetness of the Baileys and the and softness of the Baileys. Forgive me, because, like, I don't drink often. Baileys is the one where it's like a it has cream, coffee, right? Yeah. Okay. You, you put it in coffee. It's a cream oh. liqueur. Okay. So it, it's brown, um, and it kind of looks like coffee, but there isn't really coffee in it. It's, okay. it's a... Irish cream. Interesting. Liqueur. Yeah. What the fuck? Okay. Yeah. All right. That is, yeah. Yeah. You, you make one because like this is, this is interesting. I'm, I'm fascinated by this. I didn't know that you could do that with a shot. You got to pour it on a spoon before you pour it in the shot. So it layers because then the pressure hits a spoon and it just kind of rolls into the shot. Okay. Otherwise it blends. What the fuck? There's are you a, a bartender? To it. Like, are no. you a bartender? Italians love to drink. <laughs> we like okay. alcohol. Okay, that makes sense. All right, interesting. Well, my experiences are not as cool, but just, <laughs> <laughs> it, just it is what it is. Um, with, uh, with in Puerto Rico, the turkeys aren't like wildly popular. Yeah. Like, um, you know, they're more Americanized, like towns or families or whatever. Like they'll they'll do turkey for sure. 
Um, and you can find them down there in the grocery stores and whatever, but um, a lot of times for Thanksgiving, we have uh, pork. Okay. Like roasted pigs and stuff like that yeah. or um, just just pork in general. Like pork is big like down there. Um, we'll do hams. Hams um, hams with like pineapple and like mango sauce yeah. and stuff like that is really, really good. Like uh, I, that's another thing. Uh, it's not necessarily like important that we have a ham but most of the time we'll do ham like we'll do like a big ham and have like roasted pineapples all over it and brown sugar and yeah and just <laughs> good stuff man it's just re yeah it's really good um I'm trying to think of what yeah rice and beans generally not a traditional thing that you have with thanksgiving but we for sure have to make it every time um I'm trying to think. What else is down there? Like, I've, I haven't been on an island in a while, so I'm trying to think of, like, Thanksgiving. Like, I guess that's really it that I could think of that would be different. But um, I think it is dope. I think it's dope, like, you know, like, you go to different families or, like, from different cultures and backgrounds, and they have, like, something completely different that you oh, would yeah. never think that would be there, but it's it's there. <laughs> and you, you kind of have to eat it. So it's it's tight. It's tight. Have you, uh, have you, like, ever went to, like, a friend's who's, like, like, a different culture from yourself and, like, been, like, what? And then partaked? Um, my best friend, Angela. Hey, shout she's out to Angela. Yep, shout <laughs> out to Angela. Um, she's from Portugal, and, um, her mom is the best cook that I know, and literally every time I go there, I don't know what the fuck I'm eating. And I'm always just like, <laughs> hey, Paula, give me your food, yeah. and I'll eat it, and I have no idea. And it's great every time. Um, so I'll, I've been there for Thanksgiving. No clue. I couldn't even tell you what I ate. <laughs> That's I have no idea what I ate, <laughs> but I can tell you I loved every second of it. Okay, very good. Every second, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I'm eating. But, but it's good. Yeah, it's good. That's uh, I guess that's all that counts. That's good. That's good. What would you um, for your uh, for your future little ones? Uh huh. What are the things that you know that you're gonna have to make for you know your family for Thanksgiving? Turkey. Okay. Ham, because I love to have ham. Also, I think it's a nice balance. Um, mashed potatoes. Mm-hmm. I feel like I needed like a some kind of green bean casserole. Okay. You know, I gotta cater to that side of the family. <laughs> sure. Um and lots of pies. I want mm, probably cannolis, because I think it's just it's a fun kind of bonding experience as a family because you get to fill the cannolis together. Um, so it's nice to do that as a group. And I I hope that I have a lot of people from a lot of different places that bring their kind of their kind of food in because I like to cook, but I don't really want to cook a full meal. I'm gonna <laughs> be honest with you. Uh, yeah, so oh, I'm really man. hoping that like Angela shows up with her mom's food, and I'll be like, I don't know what that is, but let's eat it. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> it. That'll be perfect. <laughs> um, I think for me, cornbread, potato salad, <laughs> yeah, mac and cheese. Oh, Gotta have mac. It's good. You have to have baked mac and cheese. It has to be baked. It has to have several layers of cheese. Mm -hmm. It's got to be damn near just unhealthy. <laughs> it just has to be. Um, do you like? Do you like spinach? I love spinach. Okay, like is that a thing? Like yeah. 
I I always love to have spinach for my Thanksgiving like dinner. I love spinach. I love like putting just tons and tons of salt and pepper. Yeah. Bacon, ham, cheese. Yeah. It's not even spinach anymore by the by no. the time that you're done, you know, prepping it. It's just it's a burger. Well, even greens. You got like ham mixed in with greens and everything ah, too. Geez. And that is so damn good. Yeah. <laughs> Man, the flavors, man. Yeah. I'm I'm excited to eat, honestly. Like this is this is gonna be some good shit. Oh my goodness. Are you gonna um are you gonna prepare anything like for this Thanksgiving or Um, I'm just the cannolis really. Yeah. Oh, I'm okay. Only going to hang out with Angela's family, okay. actually. Um, and then the Italian side of the family this year. <laughs> hey. So not as many yeah, meals, yeah, yeah. but enough. 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 And that's all you can ask for. Yeah. Because it's about giving thanks. Exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, cliche question. I'm ready. What does Thanksgiving mean to you? For me, Thanksgiving is the opportunity to be around the people that you care for and acknowledge how important they are to you and just, you know, have a day to spend that time where... You don't have to worry about anything else. You don't have to you don't have to think about your job. You don't have to think about your bills, all that. And you're just gonna sit and, and come together with a meal, which I think is one of the things that really brings people together. Just True. the idea that you can sit and you can eat with somebody and you can have that closeness. And for me it's just, you know, being close to the people that matter. Beautiful. Thanks. I uh, <laughs> for sure. Um Definitely feel the same way about it. I think that it's a great way to it's almost it's almost kind of forceful in the way that it makes the entire country sit down, have a good meal, and remember to be thankful for the people closest around you. Um, the irony in that is that people would complain that it's a day that it's you're supposed to give thanks when you could do that every single day. But um, I don't know. It's uh, the having the holiday for something like that is it's important, and mm-hmm. it's uh, it's really good to kind of like uh, have a day where there's a lot of preparation into it. There's a lot of hard work. There's a lack of sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> especially like for the you know the older ones like the parents or whatever that have to get it for you know whoever's host whoever they're hosting or whatever, and um, they get all these things together and they get everything nice and everyone's dressed nice and you sit around a table or you sit in a room or whatever and um, you just share that meal, and it's 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 quite nice because you know you don't get that often. And a lot of people work and a lot of people get taken away from things and people have crazy, crazy, you know, 10 months of a year. And then you finally get to a day like that where you can kind of relax and most places are off or most places are closed. And yeah, it's just nice to have that kind of time. Um, It's those things that people have to remember when uh, when it comes to the holiday season and you got to forget about the things that are like commercial and the advertising of things and all that kind of stuff. Like if you choose to get into that, that's what will happen. But if you yourself remember why these things are in place and why Thanksgiving is important, then you don't have to worry. You don't have to complain. So 
Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. Yes, yes. Enjoy your day. It's kind of, um, I don't know if you feel like weird, like speaking into like the future. No. It's like, okay, yeah, that's cool. I love Thanksgiving. That's why I'm okay with it. Okay, that's good. Yeah. All right. Even now. My, my classroom is decorated for Thanksgiving, before oh, Thanksgiving. And I excellent. tell everybody, have a good time. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your food. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Right now, like at my job, that no one knows where I am. <laughs> but at my job, <laughs> I'm not going to tell people where I work unless you're my friend. But um, a lot of the clients are starting to do the same. Yeah. And it's, it's I don't know, it's different like when it's holiday season. It's dope because like, mm -hmm. it's like everyone is kind of like on the same kind of like wavelength. Yeah. Like everyone's like, hey, happy Thanksgiving. Like, oh, like no one told you to do that. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like you, you didn't have to say that. That's Thank you. I, I will have a happy Thanksgiving. Or niggas giving. <laughs> that was a nice segue. That was a nice segue. Um, just because, um, <laughs> just because I'm a millennial, and this is what Thanksgiving has become for a lot of people. Um, I'm gonna play this 50 second clip real quick, and then we're, <laughs> and then uh, we're gonna get into most, some other stuff, just really fast. Oh. Beans, creams, potatoes, tomatoes, lamb, ram, beans, creams, potatoes, tomatoes, chicken, chicken, right? Beans, creams, potatoes, tomatoes, lamb, ram, long, long, beans, creams, potatoes, tomatoes, chicken, 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 beans, creams, potatoes, tomatoes, lamb, ram, long, long, beans, creams, potatoes, tomatoes, chicken, chicken, right? Beans, creams, potatoes, tomatoes, beans, creams, potatoes, tomatoes, beans, creams, potatoes, beans, 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 potatoes, tomatoes, chicken, 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 beans, 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 potatoes, tomatoes, chicken, chicken. The best part of it is like the little clips of people dancing. Like I love that. I shit. love it. Yeah. So yeah, how we were talking about there's no Thanksgiving songs. Thank you <laughs> to the meme gods out there that made that song because that's. That's probably that right now. That's the best one ever made. You know, there's gonna have to be some more so that we can kind of like make a top five. But right now, that's number one. That's through five. That's all. Yeah, that's, that's one through five. It's, you <laughs> name it. Yeah. <laughs> it's excellent. It's excellent. We'll we'll get there though. But um, is there anything else you'd like to say to uh, about uh, Thanksgiving? Just you know, enjoy the day. Enjoy your people. Um, take the time to acknowledge what you have and. Try to focus on the positive, not the negative. I mean, I think it's easy to sit there and be like, oh, I don't have a pecan, pecan, whatever the fuck pie. Um, but instead, you know, pay attention to the people that are there with you. Because in the end, as much as what you ate is real good, you're not going to remember what you ate. You're going to remember who you were with. That was good. I got to tell you. Okay, that was, that was good. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah props for that I like that I like that but uh yep so here we are we've come to the end of this episode episode 26 26 um the Thanksgiving episode our first Thanksgiving episode uh thank you for rocking with us for as long as you have I really appreciate it of course, like I always do, got to give love to my boy James, Triton, and of course, Aries, the full GVGB cast. 
Uh, love you, niggas. Thank you, Tanner. Um, girl Tanner. Thank you, girl Tanner, <laughs> <laughs> for coming. You should thank boy I, Tanner, too. I, I, I mean, while thank, you're here. Okay, so fuck it. Thank you, Tanner Maxwell. I love you, bro. <laughs> Wherever you are, yes. But also, thank you, Tanner Hawkins, where um, we really appreciate you coming and sharing your experiences and stuff like that. We like insight, so it's good to uh, have the listeners listen to, and me listen to something that we aren't necessarily familiar with. It's dope. It's dope to have, and uh, yeah, we really appreciate that. No, I'm, I'm real happy to have the chance to talk about it and vocalize, you know, that, that different side, because I do think a lot of people don't hear about it, um, and I don't get to talk about it, so <laughs> it's, it's nice to, to fit into both worlds, and even just a chance to hang out with you and talk about Thanksgiving, and I'm thankful for you, I'm thankful for this, so it's, mm. it's good to, to focus on that and, and be able to highlight that for sure. Thank you. I'm definitely thankful for having you here. Thanks. I appreciate it. So now we've come to the big outro. <laughs> uh, everyone out there, enjoy your meals. Enjoy your family. Enjoy the time that you have. Um, enjoy just everything, if you can. Just remember that uh, nothing in this life is promised. We have to enjoy things while they are here in the moment in front of you. So just remember that. Do that if you can. It's all love. So here we are. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Looking up words <laughs> and freezes <laughs> and clauses. Conjunction, junction, how's that? I got three favorite cards that get most of my job done. Conjunction, junction, what's their function? I got and, button, or, they'll get you pretty far. And, that's an additive, like this and that. But, that's sort of the opposite, not this, but that. And then there's or, O-R, when you have a choice like this or that. Junction, what's your function? Hooking up two boxcars, making them run right. Milk and honey, bread and butter, peas and rice. Hey, that's nice. Dirty butt happy, digging and scratching, losing your shoe and a button or two. He's poor, but on a sad but true. Boo! Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Hooking up two cards to one when you say something like this choice. Either now or later, or no choice. Neither now nor ever. Hey, that's clever. Eat this or that, grow thin or fat. Never mind, I wouldn't do that. I'm fat enough now. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Hooking up phrases and clauses that balance like out of the frying pan and into the fire. He cut loose the sandbags, but the balloon wouldn't go any higher. Let's go up to the mountains or down to the seas. You should always say thank you or at least say please. In complex sentences like In the mornings when I'm usually wide awake I love to take a walk through the gardens And down by the lake Where I often see a duck and a tree And I wonder as I walk by Just what they say If they could speak Although I know that's an absurd thought 
Get you there. 